0: All right. Welcome, everybody. Make your way back to your seat and have a seat. My name is Richard. I'm one of the uh, leadership team here at Church on the Trail, the artist formerly known as My Church, and we are excited. Thank you for being here today. Today is a special day because we're starting a quick two-part message series. It's going to be taking place today and next Sunday, and it's called Battle Plan, as you see on the screen. Say Battle Plan. Oh, that is mildly enthusiastic, which I think is awesome for the 930 service. Seriously, thank you guys for playing along with me there. This is a series of messages where we're going to talk about, uh, it's really focused towards men. It's, It's focused on guys becoming the man, becoming the men that God has created us and intended for us to be. And we're really pumped because it coincides with the timing of a launch of a, of a new men's ministry here at Church on the Trail. And uh, kind of in keeping with that awesome name change that Ed was talking about a moment ago, we're calling the men's ministry here at Church on the Trail, Trail Blazers. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, and that's not the Portland basketball team that can never beat LeBron. This is This is different. This is men of our church and our community wanting to step into everything God has for them in being the leaders and the influencers and the encouragers and the blessers of their families, their workplace, their schools, their teams, their friends, and their community. And so that's what we're going to be about. And something really cool that you're going to hear about a little bit today and then uh, more next week and in, in the next couple of weeks, is we're going to start something right off the, uh, as we complete this two-week series, a week from Thursday. That's Thursday, uh, February the 21st. We're going to start a six-week, dude-specific, church-on-the-trail gathering, a weekly gathering for six weeks on six Thursday nights in a row, starting on the 21st. And we are going, and there is enthusiasm, come on, and what we're going to do is we're going to gather as men, and we're going to do guy stuff. And we're going to have a lot of fun, and we're going to learn. We're going to uh, we're gonna talk about the stuff that guys go through. And we're, we're going to go through a series called 33. 33. Say 33. 33, it's, it, we, we chose the number 33 not because Larry Bird wore that number, and that's two NBA references in the last two and a half minutes, which is weird. My apologies. But uh, 33 is the number of years that the ultimate man lived on this earth. And we're talking about Jesus Christ. And we're going to take six weeks on Thursday night, starting on the 21st, and we're going to talk about some of the examples that Christ Himself set for us as men. It's going to be awesome. You do not want to miss that. It's going to be from 6.30 to 8 every Thursday night for six weeks, starting on the 21st. Try to, try to keep that in mind, and we'll be reminding you about that over the next couple of weeks. But back to today, we're starting, as I said, this series called Battle Plan. And it's, it's focused towards men. But I would like to pause here and just say to the ladies and the young ladies here in our audience today we would encourage you to eavesdrop on this conversation listen a little bit for several reasons a you can uh, you can think about and hear about what we believe god is calling men of our church to step into and you can pray for us about that and and, and secondly we really believe that in in this In this series, we're all going to get something out of it, and there's a lot of value. So keep your ears open and try to resist the temptation to say, Oh, I'm so glad he's hearing this. Or I can't wait to show him this video. Not that you would do that, nor would you make that sound. What was that sound? That was odd. But anyway, we just encourage you to to, uh, eavesdrop on this and listen and pray. And as we all will do, as hopefully we'll learn and we'll grow. So Battle Plan is the series. Why Battle Plan? Well, because whether, whether you want to uh, admit it or whether you're aware of it, you're in one. You're in a battle. Life is not a playground. Life is a, is a battleground. And we find in Scripture, all throughout Scripture, that God tries to communicate with us through His Word about the spiritual battles that we are all in, and the spiritual battle that has taken place all around us. And there, there's, there's this one cool verse in particular. You'll find it in your worship guide. We don't have time to go over it real specifically or, or, uh, or, or in a detailed manner right now. But in the, in, in, the, in, the Corinthi- in the letter to the Corinthians, Paul says that we are human beings, but we don't wage war like human beings because we wage a spiritual warfare and the weapons that we use are spiritually powerful. And it talks about how we, as Christ followers, can engage spiritual battle and we can we can defeat the we can see the enemy defeated because of engaging in the spiritual battle. And that's what we're encouraging everyone to do. We're in a battle and we need to have a plan. The Bible is real clear that the three arenas or areas of conflict in this spiritual battle come from three three main sources. Number one would be the devil, our enemy, who, according to the words of Jesus, has the goal, a three-pronged goal. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. We also learn that the devil is like a roaring lion that roams around seeking whom he may devour. The devil does not want you to to find your way back to God, and he definitely doesn't want you or I to grow in our faith. So he will do whatever he can. He would love to take us out, but if he can't, he would just like to to uh, normalize us and minimize us to the point where we do not engage the spiritual battle that is raging all around us. So the devil is one source. There's another uh, thing that we learn from, from the scriptures is that uh, one of the areas that the spiritual battle takes place in, or a source of conflict, is what's called the world. The world. When we say the world, we're not talking about planet Earth. We're not talking about uh, nature or the environment. Although there, there are certainly issues to discuss regarding uh, regarding that, we're talking about the world system. We're talking about a world view that is opposed to the teachings of Scripture and the health of us as Christ followers. And so we live in this world and we function in this world where the value system is so jacked up compared to what we're trying to accomplish in our faith journey. You guys, can you relate to that where you're just out on a regular Wednesday doing your thing at work and you go, "Whoa, the conversation that is going on in in among my coworkers" or the goals and plans and values and strategies of this company that I work. This is, just, this is just opposed to what the Scripture teaches and to what my faith likes. So, so there's this tension from the devil our enemy and from the world system. There's a third source of conflict that is really important for us to be aware of. The, there's a theological term in the Bible. It's called the flesh. All right, now what that means is every one of us as individuals have this thing that the Bible refers to as the flesh, and he's not talking about our literal flesh. He's talking about our sin nature, the old way of doing things which syncs up with the world system I was referring to a moment ago. Now, when we bow the knee to Christ and begin our faith journey, Scripture tells us we become new. And then suddenly we have the potential, the ability, and all the resources that we need to live a new life. And yet it's not easy because we had an old life that we were so accustomed to, a, a sin nature, a fleshly nature. So we, from our enemy, the devil, from the world system, and from our flesh, we're in this battle. And we can think about, Spiritual things. And we can gather on Sundays and we can sing these amazing songs and we can think, wow, I really want to grow in my faith. But then from these three areas, the attack just buries us. And sometimes by Monday evening, we feel like, I don't even remember that death was arrested in my life again. You know what I mean? So that's what happens to us in this battle. And when it comes to that third source of conflict, the flesh, the old nature? Have you ever had the feeling that we are our own worst enemy? Have you ever just thought, oh my gosh, this is, you know, I have met the enemy. He is me. You know, there is a, a great leader from the New Testament era, the Apostle Paul. He is Apart from Jesus, he is the goat. He is the greatest of all time. He is the Tom Brady of the New Testament. I'm sorry. My apologies. But the numbers don't lie. Anyway, the point is, point is, Paul was the goat. But you know what? In Romans chapter 7, he tells the story about how this battle between the old nature, the fleshly nature, uh, even affected him. He He said things like, and you should read this when you have time. But he goes, look... There are things that I want to do to grow closer to Christ. I'm passionate about them. I care about that stuff. It's really who I want to be. And yet, you know what? I don't do them. And then there's this list of stuff that I have written down that i was said never again will I do that. And guess what? I do them. And he says it's like there's this civil war going on in my, inside of me. And I am defeating myself I am sabotaging myself. as is the Apostle Paul talking. And he says, what is going to... I mean, is there anything that can save me from this battle? And then, in, almost in the next breath, as he's writing this letter to the, to the Roman Christians in the first century, almost in the next breath, he says, thanks be to God, there is a rescue, there is a way. And it's called living according to the Spirit, guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit, living according to the Spirit, which is in direct contrast to living according to the old nature or the flesh. And he's saying that Christ, when He came and, 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 and sacrificed Himself, God went for the jugular against the world system and against the power of the flesh. And now we can, as people, live according to the Spirit. He says we can live driven and empowered by and guided by the Holy Spirit. That's good news. He says it can happen for us. And here's what I believe. I believe as men, gentlemen, as men of Church on the Trail, as men in this community, as men... In the the families that we have been planted in, we as men can take that step and live according to the Spirit. And we can reject living according to the flesh and living according to the old way. And we can stop sabotaging ourselves and we can live according to the Spirit of God. We can do that. and, And when we as men do that, we will feel the wolf rising up inside of us. You're looking at me like I'm really weird. I am quoting, I, I said, I, yes, I said the wolf. I am quoting our 26th president, Teddy Roosevelt. Now, Teddy Roosevelt is famous for many things, and I really encourage you, do some looking up. This guy was amazing, and this guy was totally out of control. I mean, it was just, uh, he was way ahead of his time in a lot of ways. Now, one of the most, one of the things he is most famous for, Teddy Roosevelt, is the fact that he, uh, he, he led the Rough Riders, which was, I believe, the first volunteer calv- cavalry uh, regiment, and he led them in, uh, in the Spanish-American War, Cuba Libre. They were, they were liberating Cuba. And he led them to a, ma- a famous victory that turned the tide in the Spanish-American War. He, on, on July 1st, 1898, Teddy Roosevelt, who was the leader of the Rough Riders, and the Rough Riders were a wild group. They were they were this combination of uh, of vagrants, homeless people, cowboys, uh, Native Americans, and Harvard graduates. I'm just just read it up; it's a true story. And they all came together to fight in this battle. And he led them up the battle. It was basically they were trying to take Kettle Hill, is what it was called. And if they took Kettle Hill, then they could continue on and go up to San Juan Heights and take San Juan Hill, and basically the war would be over, and that's pretty much what happened. But before they charged Kettle Hill, at one point, uh, Teddy Roosevelt is there, and he knows it's time to charge. He's crouched down on the ground, and he looks ahead of him, and he he sees strands of barbed wire that had been laid. And he just had a sense, in that moment, he knew that the moment he crossed over that barbed wire barrier, the moment he did that, it was going to be the defining moment between the life he used to have and the life he was destined to live. And his own soldiers said that at the moment that he stepped across that barbed wire and led that charge, they said he was the most glorious soldier anyone had ever seen. And he led him up Kettle Hill. But he stepped over the barbed wire. And he says in his own memoirs, in his own writing, Teddy Roosevelt said, The moment I stepped across that barbed wire, I felt the power of the wolf rise in me. And I was ravenous for victory. And so here's the deal, gentlemen. God wants to raise the power of the wolf in us. That we will step across the line and we will say, I am taking a different trail from here on out. Are you with me? Do you want to step across the barbed wire? Do you want to move into the life you were created to live? Do you want to become the man that you were meant to be? Are you with me, gentlemen? Are you? Not a rhetorical question. Thank you. Now, you might say, I don't want to be a wolf. Wolf's the bad guy. They do—they're strange. Apparently, they dress up in sheep's clothing, which is creepy. They're big and they're bad. I learned that from the uh, Three Little Pigs. Even in the Bible, the wolf is compared to the evil forces. But did you know that? Well, you know, wouldn't that just like the devil? That would would try to demonize an animal whose traits and qualities we should learn something from. I mean, even in the Bible, snakes are, are referred to as evil, but Jesus himself one time said we should be wise as serpents. There was an Old Testament story when Jacob, the patriarch of, the, of, the na- of what would become the nation of Israel, was given blessings over all, all of his sons who would eventually become the tribes of Israel, which would eventually become the entire nation of Israel. And he got down to the name Benjamin, who, who would lead the tribe of Benjamin. And he said, Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. And he hunts his prey during the day and divides the spoils at night. And he is going to kick Fanny and take names. (laughs) That was the prophecy that the father father gave to Benjamin. and And it came true. So I want to be the ravenous wolf that hunts the prey, that wins the victory, that steps across the barbed wire. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture from from the, uh, one of the letters to the Thessalonian Christians. And we're going to learn how we can step across that line. So let's take a look at this. This is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 5 through 10. It'll be on the screen. It's also in your, uh, in your worship guide, your info guide there. And here's what Paul says to the Thessalonian Christians. He says, You are sons of light. You are daughters of the day. You could stop right there and just breathe it in. You just got named. You just got named by the God of the universe. He said, you are a son of light. You are a daughter of the day. You know what I love about that? There's seven, eight words, whatever. Is it it what he's not saying? He doesn't say, you are your shame. You are the mistakes that you've made. You are the mistakes you've repeated. He's not saying that you are all the bad decisions, that you, you're all the pain that was inflicted upon you. He's not saying you are a disappointment. He's saying you are a son of light. You bow the knee to Christ, you move towards God, you ask for His forgiveness, And his help, you're a son of light and a daughter of the day. That's good news. So enjoy that. And remember that everything that we need to do, everything that we want to see changed about us to become the men that we want to be, all of it starts right there. God himself looking at you and saying, and not saying, loser, doofus, never going to learn, how long is it going to take? Come on, get with the program. What he's doing is he's looking at you and saying, You're a son of light. I see it in you. I see it. And he's calling out the wolf in us to step up, cross the barbed wire, and charge the hill. Engage this battle. You are a son of light, and you're a daughter of the day. Let's go back to this passage. He says, We live under wide open skies, and we know where we stand. So let's not sleepwalk through life like those others. Let's keep our eyes on the on." Uh, Let's keep our eyes open and be smart. People sleep at night and get drunk at night, but not us. Since we're creatures of the day, let's act like it. That is the money shot of this passage. Since we are creatures of the day, let's act like it. Say, act like it. Act like it. All right. We're going to go back to that a lot. We We are creatures of the day, so let's act like it. Walk out into the daylight sober, dressed in faith love, and the hope of salvation. Here's why we can do that. Here's why we can act like it. Here's why we can step out into the sunlight sober, dressed up in faith. He says, because God didn't set us up for angry rejection, but for salvation by our master, Jesus Christ. He died for us. It was a death that triggered life. So whether we're awake with the living or asleep with the dead, we're alive with Him. We are creatures of the day. We're going to learn how to act like it. So the title of this message is Act Like a Wolf. Act like a wolf. Let the, wo- let the power and the tenacity and the ferociousness of the wolf rise in you, gentlemen. We, we can act like the wolf. And here's my sermon in a sentence. This activity, this acting, our daily activity should come from our new identity. Your daily activity doesn't come because you're embarrassed by what you've done and you're tired of messing up and you finally want to prove to everybody that you're not an idiot. Your daily activity comes from your new identity because you're a son of the light you are a child of the day you are people of the day so let's act like it all right so we're going to look at some practical i'm just going to rapid fire some practical stuff for you to think about i'm talking about actual things that we could do with our day our time our energy our attention our focus and even our schedules that will set us up to act like a wolf. Now, next week, Ed's going to wrap this series, and he's going to talk about fighting like a wolf. We're going to fight like a wolf. But I want to kind of set the stage and talk about how we act like a wolf. I mean, we could change and, and make some adjustments to our daily activity because we're, we have a new identity. We're sons of light. We're daughters of the day, so we're going to act like it. We're going to act... These are practical things. So I first want to say... What the first idea is I want to talk about the pack. All right? Let's talk about the pack. Wolves run, live, function, and interact in a pack. Lone wolves don't last very long. There's no protection. There's no community. There's no support. There's no infrastructure. A lone wolf doesn't last very long. So we have to mind the pack. We've got to be about... A pact. We can't do it alone. I, I was reading uh, about this couple. Their, their last name is Dutcher, or I don't know how you pronounce it. But the point is, is that they've done these uh, series, uh, these video series for uh, Nat Geo, and it's about the wolf. They spent 20 years studying and living among wolves, and I'm probably not all the time, but a lot of time. So anyway, there are these. People that have studied wolves. And check this out. This is really cool. They say a wolf is impelled by many desires, many individual desires. A wolf wants to breed. A wolf wants to hunt. A wolf wants to explore. But its most profound desire is one that touches even us humans at our very core. A wolf wants to belong. A wolf is driven to belong. And the truth of the matter is, so are we. Some of us try to ignore that and not really buy into that, not really invest ourselves in belonging to a pack. We would rather, most of us, it's a little more comfortable to stay at a distance. You know, we might have some social skills. We might be able to be in large crowds. We might even be able to be in small groups. We can be in chat rooms. We love comment threads. You know what I'm saying? So, but, because but, that's, that's how we roll, right? But are we really connecting? Are we, are we honestly, do we have a pack? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Do we have people that we're really rolling with? I believe that that is uh, one of the main reasons why people who are trying to follow Christ and trying to build their faith and trying to grow in faith stumble and struggle. I think that's one of the main reasons. It's because of the refusal to roll with a pack. Every church that has, that has a clue and a brain in their head has an important small group plan. And thankfully, that's something that we care about deeply here at Church on the Trail. We want people to connect. We, we want you to feel like you're a part of a pack called Church on the Trail, and that's awesome. And we gather like this on Sundays, and it's, it's, it's wonderful to do. But do you have a pack? Do you have connections? Do you have support? Do you have people that you're really rolling with? Who are those people you know, I've heard it said, Craig Rochelle, great pastor I like to listen to, he says, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. It, the, the quickest way to change your life is to change the people you're hanging out with. Now, I'm not saying everybody we're hanging out with needs to be ditched. But I will say this, that there are toxic people in our lives and toxic contacts in our phone and toxic follows and friends on social media that aren't helping us. And some of us, we might need to restructure our the pack that we roll in like a, like a strong wolf would do. Men, get in a pack. And I want to tell you, here at our church, that's what we're doing. We're doing that trailblazers thing. We want to form a pack. We want to, form a, we want to provide environments and opportunities where we can grow and connect together. uh, I'm a part of a a number of little packs of uh, wolfish godly dudes. One of, the, uh, one of the things, there's, there's this really cool uh, small group that we have that meets on Friday mornings. It's a breakfast meeting type of thing. It's led by Elliot Long, who is awesome. If you don't know, know Elliot, I really feel sorry for you. So you need to work on that. But Elliot has this group, and we meet at IHOP because we were meeting at Starbucks, but there are too many of us, and there are not enough tables, so we go to IHOP. And so we had this great breakfast, and we're reading this book called Play the Man by Mark Batterson, also amazing. And so it's just, we're gathering together and we're talking about what it takes to be a man, to be a godly man. We need packs like that. You know what I'm saying? Do you feel that? Do you, can you sense the importance of that sort of thing? And plus there's pancakes. So God, I mean, how, you know, how can that go? What could possibly go wrong? And then this morning we had men's breakfast down at the, at the farmhouse and we had pancakes and bacon and... And Alex Thompson and, and, and the Ornstein's did a great job putting all that on for us. And so in the last 72 hours, I've had two significant breakfasts, and tomorrow is going to be a real letdown. I'm going to be like, who? Why is somebody not feeding me pancakes right now? <laughs> so, but there's a pack that we need to run in, man. Another pack I run in is a group called Route 1520, and we meet on Tuesday nights and, and on Thursday nights. And this past Tuesday night, I sat in that pack, and one of the guys said, Uh, he he decided he wanted to tell the guys some stuff that he was struggling with that he had not shared before in the group. And he said a phrase. He said, guys, I want to let you in on something. Now, I've heard that phrase. I'm going to let you in on something. But suddenly, the way he said it, I realized what he was doing is he was saying, there's a door in my life that I am now opening and I'm inviting other men to come into that space with me so that we can talk about it and figure it out. That is huge. Do you see what a big deal that could be in the life of a man? So guys, let's, let's step in to, to life in a pack. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 and 25. We're encouraged. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. To, go, to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. That's the picture of men who say the pack is a huge big deal. It's so important. I've got to be a part of a pack. So you've got to mind the pack. There's another thing that I would suggest we work on. This is a super practical thing. It's your posture. Your posture. You ever have your mom tell you sit up straight? No? You didn't? You're lying. Thank you. We all had... Mo- and, and posture is a big deal, right? But I'm, I'm talking not just about physical posture, but I'm also, also talking about emotional, mental, and spiritual posture. What do you do when you're dragging? What do you do when if somebody could see you emotionally or, or, or in terms of uh, fatigue or in terms of spiritual confusion or spiritual battle, what do you do where your posture would be like this? What do we do? Well, i tell you what I do. I go to the pack of godly wolf dudes in my life, and I say, guys, I'm struggling, and I need help. See, I can't, I can't fix my, my problems by myself. I need the help of my brothers. And I'm inviting you, men of church on the trail, I'm inviting you to become trailblazers with us. And it's literally blazing a trail that some of us have never been on before. To hack through the, the, the underbrush and the debris that's, that's all around us so that we could find true community and true connection with other men who can truly help us and support us. Mind your posture. Mind your posture. You know, uh, Joel, this Old Testament prophet, Joel chapter 3, verse 10, says, Now let the weak say, I am strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. Is he telling us to pretend? Is he telling us to say, yeah, I'm weak, but I'm going to act like I'm strong so that nobody will know? No, that's not how we roll in this pack at church on the trail. We don't sweep things under the rug. We don't avoid stuff. We don't pretend that there's not problems. We bring, we are children of the light. We are sons of the day. And so we bring our pain, and we bring our failure, and we bring our real stuff, our real life out into the light with our brothers. And we say, I need help. Can you, can you help me? This is what we're inviting you into. So we got to pack. We need to mind our posture. While you're doing that, I would encourage you to consider, give some thought to your pregame. Pregame. Now you're really looking at me weird. Pregame. Wolves believe in pregame. Check this out. This is another, another thing I, I learned from, uh, from doing some of this study and looking up things on, on the wolf. Um. In a book called American Wolf, this, this author says that wolves often gather to howl before setting off on a nightly hunt. Apparently, it's kind of a morale-boosting exercise. This type of howl often follows a rally of sorts, where, which is an exuberant display of affection in which wolves leap on one another, forming a furry pile of tail-wagging bodies. That's just fun to say. When do you ever get to say those words? See, pregame, wolves believe in pregame. Wolves know it's important to get together and rally before the big stuff happens. So why wouldn't we, as men, give a little bit of thought to how we walk into the first meeting of the day? Why would we not give a little bit of thought? To what to our to the state of our minds and our spirits before we walk out the door to go to work in the morning? Why would we not? Why would? How could we possibly let our kids walk out the door without speaking something positive to them before they start their day? Trying to impact their pregame, it's a big deal. It's important. Jesus did this. We find in. Uh, In the book of, where is it? It's in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, Jesus went out and departed to a solitary place where he prayed. Why don't we, as men, give more attention to pregame? It's not like we would walk into that meeting or walk up to that client or walk into this task without having at least checked to see if we brushed our hair, brushed our teeth. Do we? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, p- please tell me you brush your teeth before you go to work, right? Why would we do that and then just say, I'm just going to spiritually speak and just kind of screech tires into the parking lot and just get there and just start my day? Let's take time to give some attention to the state of our souls before we begin our day, before we begin, before our children begin their day, before our Wives walk out the door. How about, how about men stepping into that role and saying, I want to say a prayer. I want to read this verse. It's my verse of the day on the Bible app, and I'll read this to the family before we leave. My mom, I don't know. I have a friend I was talking to today. He said, one of the best things in my life is the crazy Christian mom I had. Anybody had a crazy Christian mom? They're awesome. My mom, when I was in high school, would, would quote verses over us before we left the house. Now, sometimes if we were running late, she'd still get them in. I would literally be walking out the door. This is a verse in Psalm 91 that says, The angels of the Lord will encamp around you and rescue you. All right, that was one of her favorites. You get that? Kind of the an angel protection praying thing. I'm walking out the door, and she's screaming Psalm 91 out the front door. Angels of the Lord will encamp around you and rescue you. I'm like, thank you, Mom. That is awesome. Please so say that louder <laughs> so more people could hear it. But why would we let our day start with that, without that? And I think men, we should, you know, I have, I have friends who say, yeah, you know, my wife does all the praying at our house, you know, all the, you know, encouraging. I'm just kind of, I teach my football and, you know, make sure to take out the trash and, uh, well, and the paying the bills. Yeah, there's that, you know, so that's my thing. Well, I don't think that's your thing at all, buddy. Sorry. You're the man in that house. You're the leader of that house. You need to step in. You need to start speaking blessing over the people that live there. That's what the wolf does. You step across that barbed wire and you say, I'm not the way I used to be. And you say, I don't know any verses. It's an app. It's just an app. (laughs) Cheat. Read it off the app. Quote Ed. You know? You know? I mean, you don't even have to come up with the stuff on your own. But then I bet you start doing it. Then you start seeing it. You start feeling it. Eventually, you'll start getting it, up on, getting it on your own. And you know what? Eventually, you'll start waking up in the middle of the night and God will drop something in your head to pray about your own kid or to pray for your wife. And then the wolf has risen in your heart and you are going for it, man. So Give some attention and some thought to your pregame now i've got, a, I got one more point, and then we 're going to wrap up, and the last one is props. OK, use props. I know that sounds really weird i 'm just saying you use props don't be afraid to use a prop. A prop, if you look up in the dictionary and I did, and I wrote it down, so I read it now, is something used in creating or enhancing a desired effect, something that props or sustains. You use a prop to enhance the desired effect. The desired effect is us engaging the battle and living the life that God called us to live. And so it's good to use props. It's good to use visual aids. Jesus did that all the time in His teachings. So I encourage you, use a prop. I have props in my life. You know this verse that we read out of Thessalonians about being sons of light and daughters of the day? It talks about wardrobe. You're talking about Props like we like on a stage or in a TV show or something like that. How about wardrobe? We're we people we're people of the day, so let's act like it and let's dress like it. And it says we should be dressed in hope and love and faith. There's a there's a verse in Colossians that says, uh, "Clothe yourselves with mercy and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience." How about when you slip back into rage? How, how about when you let Your words get angry and vengeful and hurtful. You know what you should do? we, We need to be able to say, Oh my gosh, look what I'm wearing. This is totally inappropriate for the scene that I'm playing at this time. I will now take that garment off and I'm going to dress myself in love and I'm going to dress myself in humility and admit that I just blew my top and shouldn't have. That's what a wolf does. That's what the man of God does props. I have a prop that, that I use. Um, it's a coin that I got once when I went to a weekend intensive, like a retreat thing. But it was an intensive. They called it that because it was intense. And uh, it was with the the Route 1520 group that we lead on Tuesday and Thursday nights. And they gave me this coin. And uh, at the end of it, because we did a lot of work, you know, working, talking about the weirdness of in our lives and trying to face our pain and mistakes and failures and stuff. And so it was really powerful. Some really good stuff came out of that. And there's a thing on here that says, some writing that says, beloved son. It says I'm a beloved son of the Heavenly Father. Might as well say, I'm a son of the day. I'm a child of the light. And they said, keep it in your pocket. You know, it's in my pocket every day. And I don't even like stuff in my pockets Because, I don't know, it just feels weird. But I keep this coin in my pocket. And I'll, I'll, I'll fiddle with it. And you know what it does? It reminds me I'm a beloved son. It reminds me that every day, and this is not the way I thought before I stepped across the barbara, I used to think that I had to wake up every day and earn God's smile and earn God's approval and earn his blessing and his grace. But this, because it says I'm a beloved son, it reminds me that I, I had God's smile before my feet hit the floor this morning. I have God's smile. You have God's smile as a child of his. Someone who's bowed the knee to him. So we're beloved son. This is a prop. This helps me. This points me back to the cross that changed everything. You talk to the ultimate crossing the barbed wire. It's coming to the cross and bowing the knee to Christ. It's a big deal. So we're going to wrap this thing up, okay? Just want to share one last thought with you. Um, when we're growing, we're winning. This is a battle. We need a plan. And so that's why we talked about getting in a pack and minding your posture and giving some attention to your pregame and even maybe some props that will help remind you of what's going on in the spiritual world and in your own mind and your own heart. If we're we're growing, we're winning this battle. And these are some practical tips to, to fight the battle. If we're changing... We're winning. Have you ever been told, and I'm asking the guys this, I'm asking everybody here. Have you ever been told by someone else or by the voice in your own head that you'll never change? Can you feel me on that? Can anybody relate to that? Because I feel that. I hear that voice still quite often in my life that you'll never change. There's great hope for us because there's a verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I want you, this is going to be on the screen. I want you to read this with me. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Remember the world, the world system, the worldview. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. By changing the way you think. Now, if you plug that in with other verses that we find in the New Testament of Scripture, He's not just talking about, think happy thoughts. You know? Wish upon a star. You know, that's not it. This is not a Disney moment. Although there's nothing... You know, I'm not anti-Disney. He's saying, change the way you think because we're instructed in other parts of the Scripture to set our focus intentionally on the things of the Scriptures, on the things of heaven, on the things that are of God's system. We're told to choose to think about things that are wholesome and trustworthy and good and pure and righteous. We're We're told to think about that. That can change us according to this verse. It can change. We become a new person by changing the way we think. Let me tell you how this happens. And we're going to wrap this up real quick, okay? I'm going to take a quick psychology course. Are you ready? I'm going to teach you guys very briefly about what we call frequency illusion. The frequency illusion. All right. The frequency illusion is broken down into two segments. The first is called selective attention. Where we start seeing things out in the world that, we're already, that we were previously thinking about. We think about it, we start to see it. It happens to us all. It happened to me a year and a half ago. My wife and I went car shopping. I thought, I want an SUV. It's awesome. We were able to get an SUV. Got a Kia Sorento. Found one that was a very unique color. It was kind of a brownish but I thought it was sort of maroon because I see everything in maroon because I love Mississippi State. So I said, look at this. I've never seen this particular color. How cool is this in this Kia Sorento? I buy the car. We buy the car. We, well, I drive it off the lot. Do you know what happens the next day? Sorrentos are everywhere! <laughs> and you know what color they are? Same color! Columbus is overrun with brown slash maroon kia sorrentos blew my mind selective attention i was thinking about my sorrento how awesome and state like it is Hell state more cowbell so i was thinking about it and so suddenly i started seeing it and then after the selective attention thing comes this thing called confirmation bias where on a deeper subconscious level you start saying, yep, there it is. See, they're everywhere. And then it becomes this world view, this, this actual belief system that the entire world is driving a Kia Sorento with the same color as mine. And here's how this plays out in us. When, when we're anxious, and when we're feeling defeated, and we're feeling alone and we're suspicious and we're distrustful. We wake up in the morning expecting and thinking on that as how our life is. And we go out into the world, and then something happens. We go, there it is. There it is. It happened. They left me out. He said, no. They're probably going to leave me. I'm a loser. I screwed up again. I could have told you that was going to happen. I knew it was coming. I knew that was going to happen to me. It happens every time. It happened last time, and look, it just happened again. And there we are in a confirmation bias loop that has, that has ruined the way we think. Now here's the good news. Romans chapter 12 says that God can change us into a new person if we change the way we think, and we're instructed, start thinking on the things of God. Start thinking on the things that are positive, positive. and I'm telling you, and this has happened in my life, so I'm an example of it, it's, there's hope for us. You start focusing on the things of God, and on the true promises of God, and the hope of salvation, that we read in our text earlier today. Do you know what's going to happen? You're going to go out into the world. And you're going to go. There it is. There it is. I was. I, I, I knew God was going to come through for me. I'm telling you. I saw it coming. He came through for me last time. And he's coming through for me again today. Back in the old day. When we were in this negative thinking. We were saying. "Dad, it. This is a story of my life. I can't break out of this. But if we, if we shape and form our thoughts based on the scriptures and the promises and blessings of God, we're going to get out into the world and we're going to go, look at there. God did it again. Story of my life, baby. And it's a great story. It's a great story. God will change us. There is hope for us because He will change us. If we'll change the way we think. We'll change the way we, what we focus on. There is hope. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that you're speaking to us. Help us, Lord. Give us hope. Give us courage to cross the barbed wire. Let the wolf rise in every man's heart that's sitting in this room and that's listening to this online. And, Lord, literally make them into a man that they have yet to become. But it's the man you've called them to be and always intended they would be. In Jesus' name, amen.